0: Now this is recording.
1: RTI International Center for Forensic Time. presents Just Science. Welcome to Just Science, a podcast for forensic science professionals and anyone who is interested in learning more about how real crime laboratories work. In episode six of the 2019 R&D season, Just Science interviews Dr. Jorn Yu, professor at Sam Houston State University, about the chemical analysis of controlled substances using automated headspace solid phase microextraction. Developed in the 1990s, headspace solid phase microextraction isn't necessarily a novel technique. While it is a reliable method for extracting antelites, It hasn't really found a home in the forensic sciences until now. With support from an NIJ grant, Dr. Jorn Yu is combining this tried extraction method with gas chromatography mass spectrometry. Listen in as he discusses a method for identifying controlled substances using headspace solid phase microextraction and GC-MS in this episode of Just Science. If you are interested in emerging drug topics, please visit ForensicsCOE.org to learn more about the upcoming NIJ Policy and Practice Forum on July 18th and 19th in Washington, D.C. This forum will build off the momentum of the widespread stakeholder meetings convened to discuss the consequences of this national epidemic, including the impact it has on public safety, public health, and the criminal justice response. This season is funded by the National Institute of Justice's Forensic Technology Center of Excellence. Here's your host, Dr. John Morgan.
2: And welcome to Just Science, the podcast for forensic science professionals. I'm your host, John Morgan, with the Forensic Technology Center of Excellence, a program of the National Institute of Justice, and it's operated by RTI International Today we have with us Dr. Jorn Yu, who presented at yesterday's NIJ Research and Development Symposium that is held each year at the American Academy of Forensic Science. We're actually at AFS here this week. It's on Wednesday in February of 2019. Dr. Yu got his PhD from Carleton University and where is that in Canada? Is that Montreal? Ottawa. Ottawa. It's the capital city of uh, Canada. Carleton University sounds very Canadian, indeed currently a professor with the Department of Forensic Science at Sam Houston State University. He is certified in comprehensive criminalistics with the American Board of Criminalistics and a fellow of the American Academy of Forensic Sciences. His research interest is in chemical analysis of trace evidence and the development of chemical intelligence for crime scene investigation. And yesterday he talked about a particular application of those ideas, which is to do headspace solid phase, microextraction gas chromatography, mass spectrometry of controlled substances. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Yu. Thank you for having me here. Uh, I can call you Jorn? Yes. How did you first get interested in volatile organic uh, compounds and looking at the kind of chemistry?
0: Well, solid-phase microextraction is not new at all. It was uh, developed in the very early 1990s. And my PhD uh, external reviewer, uh, Dr. Uh, Polizio, he was one of the inventors of this uh, technique. Mm-hmm. And he teaches at uh, University of Waterloo, which is about two, three hours away from my campus. So that's where I get to know this technique. And, then, and I feel it's a great way uh, to generate some cleaner extract uh, that is powerful for GC-related uh, methods.
2: Now, there's a lot of other ways to do vapor sampling. You know, you could use a sorbent tube. You can use other kinds of geometries that are not quite like a, a solid-phase microextraction. Uh, what are the advantages of SPIMI, as it's often called, over other sampling methods?
0: This type of technique utilizes uh, micro solid phase for extraction to couple an extraction technique uh, with a GC. It turns out that SPIMI is simpler, easier, uh, in terms of thermal desorption, compared to other extraction techniques. So we can use a headspace adsorption, but to couple and dissolve uh, those uh, extracts to a GC system, Mm-hmm. It might not as friendly as a fiber format. Sure. So at this time, this is just my, my study right now that it has been done by many, many researchers uh, coupling Hayspace and SPIMI with the GC-related um, methods. Sure. So it's just an easy transition for us in forensics to adopt what has been developed uh, into uh, what we need in our task.
2: Sure. Very nice for GC because it gives you a nice rapid desorption, right? So you you have a nice starting point for anything
0: that's coming off of the fiber. That's correct. So it's more GC-friendly extraction. And one of the important features about it is uh, it can be automatic. So you don't waste uh, extra time, labor time uh, in extraction process. The entire extraction can be automated. That means uh, you just need to put sample into, into the vial and obtain your data automatically. So by the time we have uh, data analysis technology, such as uh, AI, then we eventually will have machines uh, to help us interpret our data, sure. instead of our analysts looking into data and interpret data uh, for what we conclude yeah, from the sample.
2: So, what kind of chemistry is in the fibers? Are those generally silicone? They're polydimethylsiloxane,
0: or are they something else? Those are PDMS. Uh-huh. Uh, so these are basically a nonpolar general nonpolar extraction. So one of the research not that uh, much
2: different from what would be on the inside of a GC column. It's the
0: same material, uh, typical nonpolar uh, absorption or nonpolar interaction uh, to just grab some of the organics from the from the sample matrix. So one of the research uh, agenda in my research lab is to make uh, this type of uh, sorbent more selective by using molecular imprinting technique or other uh, nanotechnology. So this is what I'm uh, researching into. That is to um, make uh, the fiber more selective mm-hmm. uh, toward our
2: target. Okay. So, uh, you can uh, functionalize the PDMS
0: with uh, molecularly imprinted polymers? So, so, at this time, uh, I use a general commercially available solid phase sure. for general purpose. So, if we have some task that is more specific to a low concentration of analyte that is difficult to extract, then a more selective solid phase will be helpful.
2: Sure. So now, your NIJ award was really about using the SPEME GC-MS spec as
0: a way of identifying controlled substances, is that correct? Right now, the, the grant, of course, uh, we learned from the program director yesterday uh, that NIJ looks for some uh, project that can be implemented rapidly after the end of the project. Sure. Uh, so in terms of my prior uh, project, that that's a... Uh, investigation to see uh, how hay space uh, extraction uh, can help us uh, capture s- uh, chemical signatures from from the evidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at that time it was marijuana. Okay. Uh, so that was the the purpose of the project uh, because marijuana is a plain material. Extraction of of uh, phytocannabinoids from marijuana can be easily done, but uh, those extracts are not very GCMS friendly. Yeah. Uh, so with a simple headspace extraction, if that can be easily coupled to a GC-MS, then that would be a, a good thing. So uh, in your study, did
2: you only look at marijuana? Did you look at any other controlled substances?
0: It turns out that the headspace, uh, especially heated headspace, mm-hmm. heated means that during headspace extraction, we heat up the vial. The it, vial with the sample in it. Right, mm-hmm. With the vial with the sample in it. That will uh, assist the the extraction uh, sure. for our controlled substance as a target analyte. So for volatiles, you might not need to provide heat, mm-hmm. but for controlled substance others or phytocannabinoids in marijuana, then without sufficient heat, we won't be able to capture uh, phytocannabinoids from the sample headspace. One of the purposes that uh, we use marijuana as one of the difficult to extract uh, sample, mm-hmm. and then come up with a methodology. And at this point, we feel that this heated process, combined with the headspace SPME, can be pretty universal to other controlled substance analysis. And that's why we tried some cathinone, mm-hmm. and fentanyl, um, cocaine, heroines. They were all successful. Uh, so at this point, we, we feel it's pretty universal in terms of uh, qualitative. Analysis of control substance uh, from sample hair space. I would have
2: expected fentanyl to be the hardest one. Fentanyl is persistent.
0: Fentanyl is pretty big. We place 100 nanograms, very small amount, and we still capture it from hair space. Sure. With a heated approach. With a heated approach. And of course, uh, we also discovered there will be some uh, decompositions due to the heat. So some of the control substances might, might decompose into other. Chemicals, but uh, in, in fentanyl, uh, we capture the the parent,
2: the parent uh, compound.
0: compound from fentanyl. Sure.
2: Let's going back to the marijuana. So I'm trying to speculate through all of the ins and outs of that. Uh, marijuana likes to be fat soluble. So it must be nice and has at least one nonpolar end. Right. That's, that's,
0: <laughs> that's very correct.
2: Yeah. And so uh, to some extent, it might be relatively amenable to your technique. And it's kind of a moderate molecular weight it shouldn't be I mean, I mean it has a reputation for being kind of sticky in a chromatograph but it shouldn't be that difficult but you're saying it actually that the combination there is a little bit getting it actually off of the plant material is it strongly bound when it's in the plant material or what are the difficulties there
0: the difficulty is that use solvent extraction it can be easily extracted yeah but it's a co extract that introduced to the system that is that is bad mm-hmm. so detection of uh, THC or phytocannabinoids uh, from plain material through liquid extraction is not, not really a problem. The problem is co-extract. Come with uh, liquid extraction, that is it's see. problematic. Because there's so, all sorts of. Okay, yeah, you don't oh, want yeah. to do a lot of maintenance uh, to your instrument right. after one injection or two.
2: Of course, some of the modern marijuana plants are so high in THC, they've all been bred to be so high in THC and low in cannabidiol and things like that. Right. That helps you a little bit, I suppose. It depends on the kind of plant you're working with. That's right.
0: And also, marijuana is inhomogeneous. That means that it's a plant material. Uh, So if you do extraction for a target from different plant structure, you might see variations. Okay. And also, uh, other concern is not the detection of THC itself as a task. Uh, one of the questions is, where is that marijuana coming from? Mm-hmm. So with this type of uh, question, a traditional qualitative analysis or quantitative analysis can really answer the question. Mm-hmm. And that's why we hypothesize that from headspace, we potentially can see more uh, features sure. related to either the source of marijuana or uh, some growing conditions, like a sophisticated uh, growing process, or indoor manufacturings, or other genetic modifications uh, produce different headspace uh, chemical signatures. And of course, uh, there are other biological analysis can do the confirmation. But if we can use some instrument we have in the lab and then produce a more uh, meaningful data to answer the question, that would be, that would be nice.
2: Yeah, because it, it,
0: there are other ways to do both presumptive
2: and confirmatory tests for controlled substance identification. And generally speaking, a presumptive test is sufficient in many, many cases, right? Right. So, so yeah.
0: So we know that in SWE Drug, the scientific working group on drug, the yeah. guidelines, they suggest that uh, a category A uh, method combined with any other category of instrument would be sufficient Right. That will bring our confidence uh, to the level uh, that will be sufficient for our chemical identification, and that's why GC as a category B coupled with the mass detector as a category A is a is a good combination, or LC coupled with a, a mass detector, sure. uh, that will be a, a good piece of uh, analytical scheme that will fulfill our work. So with that, uh, that will be no presumption tests you don't need to adapt multiple category b or multiple category c mm-hmm. uh, testing to boost your confidence level for the identification of controlled substance sure
2: and your point also is that you're getting a much richer data set right you're getting
0: more information
2: about what's going on there than just a, like is it marijuana or cocaine
0: that's correct because we know that many controlled substances could be some sort of mixture mm-hmm. so that kind of Mixture of some other other impurities or other chemicals potentially is a signature. Sure. So my background is a crime scene investigator with uh, some uh, trace evidence analysis. Yes. So those are value uh, towards uh, so-called characteristics. So with the headspace SPIMI approach, we not only can detect the target control substance, we also collect some headspace signature that associated with the evidence itself that tells us more story. So that's the data set we can get from one simple, automatic uh, methodology.
2: I've forgotten whether it came up in the session yesterday. I believe it might have. Uh, you know, uh, certainly one of the issues in uh, especially marijuana right now is the fact that it's becoming legalized. But there's an enormous amount of variation among uh, the plant materials. Because it is a Schedule One. there's no FDA regulation. And so as a consumer product, it, it's got some red flags associated with it. And so having some methods that would be able to do some kind of screening, quality control, whatever you want to call it, uh, would be valuable
0: as well. That turned out to be an interesting point because I, I was working for law enforcement. Usually we do our chemical analysis for prosecution purposes. Yeah. But at this time, it turns out that the same methodology can be used for quality control purposes for sure. control substance. Mm -hmm. So this is what is happening for marijuana right now. (laughs) The mindset is that it will do the job for quality control purposes.
2: You know, one of the things we talked about before we started recording was the idea that both have done a little bit of work on uh, mycotoxins and molds and fungi and that kind of thing, which are actually relatively common in some of the commercial marijuana plants.
0: That's true. Uh, That's yeah. another so uh, called concerns in terms of residual mm-hmm. organics and pesticides uh, and the sure. mold associated with the consumer product. So, Headspace, of course, uh, will bring up uh, some valuable information about that part.
2: So you're, you've done some work in terms of the method development for the approach here, you doing Headspace. Tell me a little bit in terms of the scope that you've been able to demonstrate with respect to the method. How does the method work, and where are its strengths and limitations?
0: Well, at this point, uh, part of my research agenda to come up with a simple methodology. So at this point, this method has been straightforward. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have master's students in our program, But sometimes I found that undergraduate student can also uh, do a good job in terms of complete the task, because it's all automatic. So that simple is pretty straightforward. And then, of course, the challenge probably data analysis. You can get an undergraduate uh, to do data analysis, uh, but you can ask the person to complete the data collection for you. Mm -hmm. So at this point, I think if there's data analysis intelligence, then the entire system will be completely human-free. Sure. Because the analyst will be just put the sample in the vial, and then the rest, data generation, including interpretation, will be all automatic. There's plenty of auto-samplers for this kind of an approach out there for other applications, right? Right, when I, when I was a PhD student in Canada, we adopt manual uh, operation. I, I did know that it's very time-consuming using sure. SPME manually, but now there are some uh, auto sampler, they have have been designed to do SPIMI work. So that would be very, uh, very good in terms of uh, sample or method development in that direction. Now the other thing that
2: came up uh, yesterday, that is that you're you're not just getting some really interesting target compounds, uh, but you're also getting a lot of stuff. That's correct. (laughs) What's the family-friendly word for it? And that, uh, in addition to complicating your analysis, is also going to compromise both the fiber and a column, for that matter. I mean, anybody who's, who's trying to use GC is going to have the same issues as you would have on the fiber, but the fiber is likely to be a little bit more fragile than the column.
0: That's right. That's the quality assurance and quality control uh, issue because we can always uh, test a positive control, a negative control for the, the spimy fiber, make sure the spimy fiber is still functioning before we sample the real evidence. So, it's part of the uh, quality assurance or quality control procedure to make sure that fiber is still good. But uh, from literature report, SPME fiber usually lasts uh, several hundred rounds okay. before you can really use it. Mm-hmm. So, of course, that will associate with the, with the cost uh, yeah. of each each. Well, they're not that
2: expensive, six. I don't believe. How expensive is it? Each this?
0: fiber at this point costs $100. Okay. Yeah, so still costly. Uh, but that gives you a better uh, speamy fiber mm-hmm. uh, for performance. So
2: we've sort of outlined a few different kinds of research areas that still need to be pursued. One, of course, is trying to kind of tackle this issue of trying to extend the life of the speamy fiber. Another would be trying to have some sort of functionality on it to give you some specificity with respect to adsorption. And are you looking at whether there are ways to get around the idea of heating the sample? Because that seems like, a major step if you have to take it. I'll tell you one of my perspectives on this uh, because one of the other things I did back in the day was looking at trying to do explosives detection using headspace. The idea is like if you're trying to find landmines or whatever else it is, you know, being able to do headspace and and for like, you have DNT coming off of TNT and DNT is actually fairly easy to relatively to find, but RDX is extraordinarily persistent and, and almost impossible to find in headspace. But I would think that almost any of the uh, drug species would be easier than even DNT. That they would be,
0: you know, relatively yeah, volatile. It's, yeah, it's much compared to explosive or other mm-hmm. evidence. Yeah, drug I guess it depends easier.
2: on time. The amount of time you're going to take to right. do the sample. you
0: can eventually you can expose a spimi fiber onto the marijuana hair space for 24 hours. Right, and then you will detect THC. Right. That would be positive.
2: And that, that doesn't exactly lend itself to throughput in the crime lab. That
0: would be 24 <laughs> hours extraction <laughs> under room temperature. Sure. But you will see the peak definitely. Right. It's an equilibrium process. OK. Uh, mira eventually will, will stick onto the fiber from the hair space. So We've been visiting Professor be
2: Arrhenius a lot today. So it's <laughs> 24 <laughs> hours. <laughs> so by heating, so, yeah.
0: uh, it, it only takes 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. so incubation for five minutes, expose the fiber for another two minutes. When you do qualitative, expose one minute to two would be sufficient right? Yeah, to get the, get the positive detection for low concentrations. Okay. Tell me, are, are you uh, continuing with the
2: NIJ grant, or what directions
0: are you going to go uh, in general? Well, at this point, the method has been developed. Uh, so the next phase will be data collection. Mm-hmm. So, of course, uh, we will be looking for research partners that will provide us some ground truth sample because in the university research settings we don't really have control substance one substance with a known source sure Uh, so if there's any research partners that they can provide us known source Mm -hmm. of either marijuana or any control substance with a known source i believe we can do a very good job in terms of drug intelligence sure Uh, associate a control substance with a different uh, attributes Mm -hmm. as long as we know the attributes
2: Sure. Well, of course, NIDA has a program. That's true. uh,
0: At a federal level, there's a drug uh, intelligence uh, agency already, so uh, we are not competing with them, but we are trying to find different kinds of tools that will be available, not just for expensive equipment, uh, at a regional level, at a local level, we can do some good job in drug intelligence. You know, we Obviously, we
2: get a lot of listeners to Just Science, and I'm sure that many of the people who are listening to this particular podcast, especially, are people who do a lot of controlled substance identification as part of their daily, daily lives. So I encourage everyone to get in touch with Dr. Yu right. and uh, give him lots of drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and I will get a lot of
0: NIH funds yeah, exactly. to support our students to get the data.
2: Yeah, indeed. Thank you for being with us on Just Science today. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And uh, thank you all for listening uh, today, whether it be in your home or your car or your work or wherever you happen to pick up the podcast. Please make sure to tell all of your friends and colleagues to also tune in to Just Science and and listen to uh, uh, the research community and other leaders in the forensic science community uh, share about the cutting edge of forensic science uh, practice in the United States and around the world. Great big thank you to the National Institute of Justice for their support for FTCUE and for uh, researchers like Dr. Jordan Yu. Thank you so much.
1: Next week, Just Science interviews Dr. Adris Mokas about an image-based cloud platform for use in tagging and researching decomposition. Opinions or points of views expressed in this podcast represent a consensus of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official position or policies of its funding.